Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am excited that you're joining me today for an interview with my friend, Ben Baker. And storytelling has always been a way of life for Ben. From a young age, he realized that through telling stories, people listen to him, understand him, and engage. Professionally, that is what he's been doing now for over two decades. He helps brands tell engaging stories that compel their customers to take action and I know he also does this a lot in the employee space, which is what we're going to be talking about today. How do you create an experience and a brand that attracts and retains the best employees? So Ben, welcome to the Talent Development Hut Seat. Andy, I have been looking forward to this. Thanks for having me on the program. I, I have as well since we connected, I think on LinkedIn and we chatted a while back and what you talked about and what you're doing. I loved it because uh, I talk a lot about this podcast and I've talked to a lot of people about the importance of an, a great employee experience. And that's something yeah. that is, it's in my, uh, for those that got my uh, trends report I released a little while back, the top trends in talent development. One of the top trends is there is, is about creating an employee experience. And so I know you're big on that. I want to talk about that. Before we get to that, maybe we can start with a little bit of background, you know, who you are and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Well, I've been in the marketing business, marketing communications business for about 25 years now. I came from high tech uh, about 25 years ago. I, I decided I was going to become a, a recovering high tech sales guy. I was in the air probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 days a year and just it was just it was just brutal. It was just absolutely brutal. And what I realized is when I stepped away from the sales role, I, I took the what do you want to be when you grew up training? You know, I, I hired an industrial psychologist. And I sat there and said, okay, let's run me through an entire battery of tests and figure out what do I do well? What do I love to do? Where's my passions at? And the passions came from marketing. It came from telling stories. It came from, you know, getting people on board, getting people to understand you know, who you are, what you do, why you do it, and why they should care. And marketing really fell into that. And I started off in direct mail about 25 years ago, killed a lot of trees. If you got something in the mail, it, it probably came from us. We did millions and 
millions of pieces of direct mail across the United States for a lot of for the casino industries, a lot for the uh, the grocery industries, and we we had a lot of fun with that kind of stuff. But it always came back to what's your message, what's your story, what's your brand before you can market. You need to understand what you're marketing. Who are you? Like, what makes you different? What makes you unique? If I got two companies that are side by side, why should I care about you if you guys do what I see from the outside exactly the same thing? So it always came back to brand. And, you know, and after a number of years, I realized that as much as I enjoyed the tactical side of things, the branding is really where my, you know, where my jam was. That was my niche. And about eight or 10 years ago, if not, you know, probably closer to eight years ago, I realized that companies spend all this money and all this time branding for the external client, but they forget about the internal client. You know, they absolutely forget about the customer that's inside the company, the employees, because, you know, you get things like employees getting a phone call from some customer and saying, well, this promotion's going on and employees don't have a clue what they're talking about. You know, they don't have a clue about what promotions their own companies are running. The communication isn't there. The, you know, the the employees don't understand what's going on. So they become disengaged, become disenfranchised. You know, they start looking for work out there and all of a sudden they're out the door. And I realized that until we can build champions inside the brand, until we can get that story clear and concise inside the brand, it's really hard for these people to become great customer advocates and build external champions for the brand if they don't feel like brand brand champions themselves. So that's really where I've evolved to over the last probably, you know, seven to eight years. Yeah. It's such an important space. And, uh, you know, you talked about people not really understanding what's going on. They're not really connecting with the brand if they're working there. And so they, and they don't really jive with the culture. They start looking around, getting a little bit frustrated or bored and looking around for another job. And eventually they leave. And I'm seeing, you know, talking with clients and prospects and people at different companies are telling me that the attrition rate is going up, especially at that two to three year mark, the early career professionals who, you know, don't really connect well with the company. They feel like they're not getting the development they need. They don't see where things are going. And so they up and leave. And I think you quantify this a little bit, right? How much is how much is this costing companies? Oh, yeah. Here, here's some stats for you. Inc. Magazine says that 70% of employees today are disengaged in the workforce. It means they're not as engaged as they could be, whether it's, you know, they, they just don't care about the job today and they're just going to dial it in and, and look at Facebook today up to the point where they become actually cancerous within the organization. So it, it's it's that, you know, there is a sliding scale. 50% of employees, Forbes says, are actually either actively or, you know, passively looking for other jobs. And Gallup is saying that this is costing a half a trillion dollars to the U.S. economy every year. If you want to break it down to an employee, Every employee that you lose is costing you $100,000 to replace. You know, the numbers are staggering. The amount of money that's being wasted by companies every single year across North America, around the world, because they're not retaining their employees, because they're not engaging their employees, is staggering. You know, 10 employees lost a year is a million bucks off the bottom line. And that's after tax dollars. That's that's huge. And I assume that's an average, right? I mean, some companies are going to be less. Some companies are going to be more. But the, the point is, it's costing a lot of money. And then, you know, you obviously have to recruiters go out and find new people. And do they even fit the bill? How long does it take them to train and get ramped up? And then if you still don't have a plan or a story or a brand for your employees, then it's probably going to happen all over again. 
happens all over again. And, you know, it's not just, I mean, yes, you have the recruiting costs, you have the hiring costs, you have the psychometric costs, you have the time spent of the employees within the company actually having to interview people and look through resume costs. You have hiring an external recruiting firm costs. You have you know, onboarding costs, training costs, and all that costs. Yeah, there's all those costs. But the costs that are forgotten is when that employee loses, what kind of havoc does that cause in the office? You know, all of a sudden, four people are doing the job of five or six. All of a sudden, jobs are being either postponed or fall through the cracks or whatever. Customers fall through the cracks. Mistakes get made that get expensive. Customers leave. You know, employees leave. They take customers with them. When employees leave, they take other employees with them. You know, there's all those costs that most companies don't even look at when they're putting into the factor of, of from the time somebody leaves to the time you get somebody up and, you know, and trained and, and ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. I can see just all the, the cost, the money, the work, the stress. Okay, so we've obviously painted the problem here, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners experience this. They see it going on. What are the solutions that you're seeing out there that I know you work with companies? What are you seeing them, other companies doing to alleviate this, to create that brand, create that culture that reduces the attrition? Well, the number one thing is, is to build a level of engagement within the company. And that has to come through leadership, communication, and culture. And that has to start from the top. It truly and absolutely has to start from the top. The people at the top of the food chain, you know, the CEO, the CFO, the president of the organization, whatever, the, the founder, have to live the culture. If they set together a mission, vision, value statement, they have to live it. They can't just say, this is what we believe in and I expect you to live by it, but I'm going to do a completely separate set of rules for myself. Because that's what people are going to see. People are going to see that dichotomy. You know, the problem is with mission, vision, value statements is nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of 100, they're words that are either plastered up on a wall somewhere or become part of an onboarding process and never spoken of again. They don't become part of the culture. They don't become part of the psyche of the organization. And therefore, they're forgotten. Because if I spun the average employee around three times, closed their eyes and said, tell me the six words that are part of your mission statement or your vision statement none of them could do it. And if they could, they probably can't do it in a way where they can explain what these words mean or that whether they believe it, they probably don't believe in it. What I suggest instead is creating a brand story. Stories have been with us for tens of thousands of years. Oral tradition predates written word by tens of thousands of years. And what it allows us to do is to be able to build that culture up. Where did you come from? What was the impetus of the company? Why did you create the company? Where did it start? What were the challenges when it first started? Where are you today? What got you from where you started to where you are today? Who do you serve? Why do you serve them? What value do you provide? Who are the people that you serve? And why do they care about you? And more importantly, where is the company going? Because if people within the organization understand the story, they understand that progression of where they came from, where they are, where they're going, they can see how they fit into there. They can understand how the work that they individually do within the company helps make the company better. All of a sudden, you know, team meetings, company-wide meetings, you know, decisions are made based on that company story because everybody knows it. Everybody can tell it and everybody can retell it. 
And not only are they telling that story internally, but they're also telling it to vendors to sit there and say, look, if you want to be a vendor of this company, this is what we believe in. These are the things that are important to us. These are the things that we need to have happen. Are you on board with this? And all of a sudden, your vendors become true partners of yours and not just people selling you stuff. And all of a sudden, by telling the same story to your customers, you build advocates for the brand. So the first place I start is, what is this company all about? And what do you truly believe in? Don't give me this, you know, excuse the expression, BS answer of, oh, we believe in in customer service and this and that. I think the answer is why. Why do you believe in this? Let's dig down deep and find out why do you believe in what you believe? What are your core values and what do you really believe in? And let's weave a story around that. Something that that every single employee, they may not tell it perfectly. They may not say it verbatim the same way you do, but it doesn't matter. Because if they say it their own way, they internalize it. And when they internalize it, it becomes meaningful for them. And then all of a sudden, they have a reason to be engaged. Do you have an example of a company that has done this well? There's a lot of companies that are doing this, but you know, if you take a look at companies like Coca-Cola, for one, is, is a large corporation that really tells a story. I mean, they know what their brand is. Nike knows what their brand is. The brand is not the Nike swoosh. It's the service to excellence. It's not about shoes. It's not about T-shirts. It's not about spandex pants. It's about how do we get the excellence out of every individual? How do we get every individual to understand that they have a personal goal and they have a personal best and that personal best should be, you know, should be celebrated? That's an amazing thing. And when brands are built around that and everybody understands why they do what they do, the product or the service yeah, that absolutely. they create. And gets like so you said better. before, you think about the story and kind of what the organization stands for, it's got to start at the top. It's got to be embodied by the top leaders. Everyone is looking to them. For someone who is in kind of a, a talent development position or a change management position saying, hey, you know, the company's changing, the culture's shifting as what's going on with a lot of companies. We want to get our people on board, but we recognize it does start with the top. How do we get our executives on board with this and, and on board with telling that story and helping to craft that story for everybody to be part of? Well, the one thing that we do when we're brought into organizations, and you're right, where we get brought in is when companies realize that there's dynamic change going on, you know, whether it's mergers, acquisitions, buyouts, you know, grandchildren taking over grandpa's company, companies that are going through a, a major, like all of a sudden they've gone from 100 to 500 employees or whatever, those type of things where there's always major shift, there's always major flux. The challenge is, is that most leaders don't understand that their vision of what the company is may not be the vision that everybody else sees. And when we get brought in, the first thing that we do is we bring in a graphic recorder and we sit down with various departments and we sit there and say, okay, tell us the story of the brand. Tell us about your onboarding process. Tell us about the things that are important to the company and tell us about your customers and why you're valuable to them. And we get the graphic artist to record this visually. And it's amazing when you take the different graphics from the different departments and you put them all up on a wall together, there is either complete unity or complete chaos. And the different viewpoints are seen differently. And until the senior management sees that, a lot of the times they don't believe it. Until they realize that, wait a second here, finance, sales, ops, and marketing are completely on different pages. 
They don't see the customer the same way. They don't see the direction of the company the same way. They don't see the values of the company the same way. Wait a second, we have an issue. Then it comes down to sitting there going, okay, board retreats or you know, workshops or whatever with senior leadership to sit there and say, what do we truly want for this company? You know, where are we today? Where do we want to go? And let's build a vision to get there together. It really comes down to that because if you don't all of a sudden have a line in the sand to sit there and say, this is where we really are. This isn't the pie in the sky. This isn't what we want the company to be. This is where the company is today. Good, bad, or ugly. It doesn't really matter where it is. This is where we want it to go. Then we can build a plan of how to get there. But it starts with understanding where we are now, taking that, that assessment of, okay, where are we today? What's our shared background of experience? And then where do we want to go? You know, you talk about people being misaligned coming in and doing those interviews. I've experienced that quite a bit as well in all the client work I've done over the last nine years or so, especially when I'm built a lot of business simulations to help with strategy alignment, strategy execution, things like that. And you talk to an executive, does everybody understand the strategy? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. Right. And then you go out and do interviews. And uh, I remember one project we did that we asked uh, the first question, how well do you feel like you know the company's strategy? And usually it was like, yes, I know it pretty well. Okay, tell me about it. And then it was just all over the place. Everybody's completely different. And you realize that there's some major misalignment, if that's a word, in the organization. And that this is going to cause a lot of problems when you're trying to invest and achieve certain goals. Oh, absolutely. And when you have completely competing goals within different departments, whether that be miscommunication or misalignment due to the way different departments are compensated or budgets are aligned or whatever, it leads to some real big challenges, it, you know, because all of a sudden different departments are both sitting there saying, well, this is my role and I need to do this. And this is, yeah, but they're blocking me and they're blocking me. Instead of sitting there going, it's not about the fiefdom, it's about the customer. And the more you can align the different departments and break down those roles and align you know, different departments so that they're all working towards looking at the customer first and having the customer at that center of the circle, it's amazing the, the things that get built out of that. Now you said looking at the customer first and the customer at the center of the circle. Sometimes when I talk to people about the importance of employee experience, I have used the something I learned from a, another colleague or friend a while back, which is that your customer experience will never exceed that of your employee experience. If your employees are not having a good experience, they're probably not going to treat customers very well. And you know, the example I often give, and I just did a session on this at my conference, the Talent Development Think Tank last week, Southwest Airlines, right? The, the late, great Herb Keller, heard of the founder, always placed such a huge emphasis on treating employees well and then trusting that they would then in turn treat customers well. So do you see that as that part of this? Because you're talking about the focus on the customer, but what about focusing on the employee, treating them well so they treat the customers well? Don't get me wrong. I consider your employees your number one customers. To me, your employees are, it, it becomes employees, people process profit. And it's always about the people first. I mean, the comment that I use is your brand is only as strong as your unhappiest employee on their worst day. That's really what it comes down to, is your unhappiest employee on their worst day. And that's the strength of your brand. And the more we can focus on that, the better off we are. Because you're right, if your employees do not feel listened to, understood, and valued, if they don't understand why they do what they do and how their individual effort matters, they are never going to provide a customer experience that your customers want. 
Yeah. And that comes back to the alignment piece as well. Like, do people know why they're being asked to do what they're doing? And I love what you said. Your brand is only as strong as your unhappiest employee on their worst day. And why do employees get really happy? Uh, unhappy. Either they have a terrible manager, they just have a grueling job that doesn't really align with their strengths or, or values, or they just feel confused about what the heck they're doing, why they're asking, being asked to do it. And I think more and more, people have always connected with purpose, but more and more, people want a purpose. They want to know why they're being asked to do things. And if they don't know the answer, then they might start looking around going somewhere else. Oh, absolutely. You know, as I said, this is, it's being listened to, understood, and valued. And that's what most people want. I don't, I don't care if it's a Gen Z just coming out of high school or just through a university or somebody who's 65 years old and at the other end of the employment process. Everybody wants to know that they matter and the work that they do actually matters and that they're adding value and what they do is worthwhile. You know, they need to have pride in what they do. And if they don't feel that anybody cares about them, if they don't feel that anybody thinks that what they do matters, why are they going to stick around? Sooner or later, they're going to find somebody that appreciates them more than you do. And as soon as they do, they're going to jump. And that's when you know, you start looking at $100,000 walking out the door. Yeah, that makes sense. They don't feel understood. They don't feel appreciated. They don't feel like they matter. It's time to start looking around unless they're just making a ton of money, right? It's time to start looking around at other jobs. And money, and money only goes so far. Yeah, money only goes so far. I was just on the phone with a guy. And we were talking about the fact that they just gave a year-end bonus of cash of, you know, it was a few thousand dollars to every employee. And they asked at the end of January, you know, what did you spend the money on? And most people couldn't say. Most people say, oh, I just went in a bank account. Oh, I did, you know, I, I don't know. It just, it just went into general. You know, the money just becomes money. And it just becomes more money in the bank account or less money in the bank account. It didn't go towards something of value. It didn't go to a new car, a washing machine, presents for the kids at Christmas, you know, something that was meaningful and tangible. The money just became money. And at the end, money doesn't buy love. Respect buys love. That's true. It's interesting. I'm thinking right now about a friend uh, I've gotten to know recently who is in a fairly senior role at a large company who's very unhappy because he does not feel understood. He doesn't feel like he's being appreciated for the, his talents, the things that he's doing. His bosses don't really understand what he's doing. They're asking him to change things and not really giving him the experience he wants. And so he's planning on leaving, but he's staying through March to get his bonus. And then he's going to be out the door as soon as that comes in. So he's getting, waiting to get the money, but then he's out of there. It's a great company and he's very talented and he's not going to stay. And that's going to cost them a lot of money to replace him. But you know what? His story is not unheard of. Like I know people that, you know, if the company bonus is paid out on, on December 31st by January 31st, you know, there's amazing amount of people that are gone. People just stick around, get their year-end bonuses, get you know whatever incentives that are they feel are owed to them. Mm -hmm. They have no alignment to the company. They have no allegiance to the company. Right. Their allegiance is, let me get the most out of the company that I can and then walk out the door. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is brought to you by Advantage Performance Group. We help organizations develop great people. For more information about this podcast and Advantage Performance, you can go to advantageperformance.com slash hot seat. And now on to the show. Ben, what's been, uh, thinking about your own career and doing all this, what's been your greatest accomplishment or proudest moment in your career? 
my greatest accomplishment happens on a far more regular basis is that when we do, we do two things. We either do a lot of online workshops or, or live workshops. Live workshops are two-day, live and intensive, you know, 20 to 25 people, senior leadership, run them through a whole bunch of exercises about how to retain employees through leadership. It's a lot of fun. And it's, to me, it's the aha moments. And what I've done is I've just taken that course and I put it online. There's a how to retain employees through leadership and it's 23 videos and about 65 or 70 questions. And it really delves through people. But what I love is the coaching that comes along after that. You know, because you can put people through a workshop or an online course or whatever, they get motivated for 15 minutes and then old habits come back three to six months afterwards where people have been able to chew into the, the information, they've been able to see it live and watch it happen. And they sit there and say, but what about this? And what about this? Oh, oh, now I get it. And that's what I love the most. I love those aha moments yeah. that people have and you watch them become better at what they do. Yep. That's my kick. You know, whether it's the online course and I get emails back sitting there going, you know what, we tried this and we absolutely loved it and it worked. We're going to, we're changing some processes because of it or the workshops where you get, you know, the phone calls or the emails back from that as well. That's where the kick is, is watching other people succeed. Right. Absolutely. I like it. What flip side of that, what's been your biggest failure or mistake and what did you learn from it? I think my biggest failure and mistake it was early on not taking enough time at the very beginning to really understand the customer, mm. you know, and, and assuming you knew what the customer needed before you really did. And a lot of that came from age. I'm, you know, I'm now 50. When I first started this, I was a lot younger and the younger we are, the more, the more we know, you know, the, the older <laughs> we get, the, le the less we know. Right. And I realized that when I first started doing this 15 plus years ago and really started diving into things with customers at 20 years ago, it was more the fact that you said, oh, I know what they need and, and make these assumptions. And now it's more, let's take the time at the beginning. You know, if it takes a little bit longer for me to understand your mission, your vision, your values, what you guys are about at a company, where your real pain points are, where are the holes in the dike? That's money well invested. Because if we don't understand what the real problems are today, how can we ever fix them? And I think that that's really come down to let's slow the process down and let's actually take the time. And it's not about me driving up the revenues for my consulting dollars. It's about understanding that, you know what, this process takes time and we need to think about it. Mm -hmm. you know, and we yeah. really need to understand what we're dealing with before we try throwing money in a solution at it. There's, there's got to be a discovery process and really asking questions to understand what's going on so you can really get to the underlying issue. Ben, are there any uh, trends that you're following in talent development, leadership development that maybe we haven't covered yet? You know, the number one thing I'm seeing and I'm starting to see is that companies are hopefully starting to see more value in a longer onboarding process. Beyond just giving somebody a set of business cards, a desk, and, and a list of customers to go, to go see and sending them on their way, we're actually taking the time to get people to understand our culture and how we do things in our company before we send them out to deal with the customers. 
to get people to build buddy systems in, to build mentorship systems in, to get people to understand who the people are through the company and what the various roles are and why they do what they do, and actually take the time to get people to understand each other and understand the role and not just assume that somebody walks in just because they worked at your competitor, they're going to be great working for you because maybe there's habits that they had with the old company that you need to really get rid of to make them a really good, successful addition to your own company. And it's there's got to be that people need to feel welcome from day one. There needs to be on day one, it can't just be all about filling out paperwork. There's got to be, you know, introductions and lunches with the team and, and a coffee meeting with the senior executives and, you know, understanding of what the culture is of the company and making people feel welcome, even having promotional products sitting on their desk all laid out for a welcome package. It is amazing to me how many employees walk up to that, go, oh my God, take a picture of it. And all of a sudden it's up on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, 10,000 people are getting notice. I just started working with this company. Look at the cool things they gave me on day one for the 200 or 100 or 50 bucks or whatever you spent on these promotional marketing to have it sitting on their desk to welcome them into the company. You just got thousands and thousands of dollars worth of free advertising. And not only that, you've also given the person on day one a feeling like I belong and I mean something and I'm important. And I'm valued because other than that, if you just get people to walk in the first day and all they do is fill out paperwork and they go home and a wife or a girlfriend or a husband or a boyfriend or a mother or father or whatever, sit there and say, how was your first day? Well, it was really shitty. All we did was fill out paperwork today. And that feeling stays with you. That's what I'm hoping that more companies are going to understand. Right. And that's all part of the employee experience. It starts, you know, with the hiring process and then into onboarding and then onto the time they're working there all the way through when they leave. From day one to beyond the last day, making sure that employees feel that they are part of the team and they are part of the family each and every single day. And it's building reward systems and communication systems and leadership and processes that support all that because that's important. People don't want to be managed. They want to be led. Yes, that is so true. Uh, Is there a book that has made a big difference for you or that you often recommend? Oh, there's lots of books. I'm a big lover of Simon Sinek's, you know, Getting to Yes. I'm a big fan of Happiness Experience by the guy who founded Zappos, uh, Tony's. Tony's book is great. You know, uh, I can't remember the title of it. It's all about happiness and it's, it's extremely well written. I have that in audio file and I, I listen to that on a regular basis. But those are two books that I really, truly love. There's my book, which you know, is Powerful Personal Brands. It's all about understanding who you are as a person. You know, because my attitude is you can't be a good leader until you understand yourself. But you know, if I'm really listening to other people, I love Simon Sinek. I love The Go-Giver by Bob Berg is a great book. Cody Bateman's got a brand new book that I haven't read yet, but I've thumbed through it from Send Out Cards. And he's got a phenomenal new book on on relationship management. That's on my pile right now. I've read through the first 10, 15 pages and, and, and been quite impressed by it. Oh, that's great. And the other book you were talking about is Delivering Happiness. Delivering by Happiness. Head, right? There we yep. go. He's uh, just created an amazing story and experience there at, uh, at Zappos and they were acquired by Amazon and all that stuff. So yeah, good book. 
Last question for you, Ben, for anybody listening who is working in talent development, leadership development, that sort of thing. They're looking for ways to accelerate their career and improve. What's one more piece of advice you would give? The one piece of advice I would give is be curious. Be curious. Find out if if you're looking to advance your career, find out what the people are doing that are doing the job that you want to be doing. What are the things that they do that you don't do? Make them a mentor or emulate them. Don't be them, but find the things that you find valuable for them and bring it into your psyche and start doing those things that are not at your level, but are at the next level. Mentally assume the next level and you will get there because people will see that. True leaders get promoted because they bring the next people below them up. When you're the person that gives the people below you the coaching, the mentorship, the experience, the training, et cetera, in order to make them better, you become the person who is hireable at the next level. It's floating the water for everybody. And and the more you can make the tide rise, it's going to rise for you as well. Yeah. And you become known as someone who develops people and treats them well, and everybody wants to come work for you. So it's a kind of a self-fulfilling, it it rewards itself. You're a true multiplier. Uh, to use the terminology from Liz Weissman's book. Well, Ben, this has been uh, fantastic. Uh, really glad we were able to uh, put this together and uh, to get you on the podcast. And I'm looking forward to uh, coming on yours soon as well. And you said you have a book as well, right? I do. Everything is available through my website, my online courses, my speaking, my consulting, my book. The book is called Powerful Personal Brands, A Hands-On Guide to Understanding Yours. It's available through Amazon, but everything is available through yourbrandmarketing.com. If you go to yourbrandmarketing.com, my podcast is there. You know, your podcast will be up on there. All the stuff I do for consulting, workshops, keynotes, all that kind of stuff is all available in one place. So I just make it easy for everybody to find me in one place. Love it. Awesome. Well, this has been great, Ben. Thank you again for coming on and sharing some of your experience, your wisdom, and your advice with us. Uh, Thanks again for coming on the Talent Development Hot Seat. Andy, it has been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. All right. Take care. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am always grateful for everyone who tunes in, who listens, who subscribes, and who have left reviews for our podcast on iTunes. By the way, if you haven't done that yet, it would mean the world to me. Head on over to iTunes, take one minute, write a quick review. It helps our podcast grow, and I really appreciate your support. As my gift to you, I have created a report of the top five trends impacting talent development this year. And if you haven't grabbed that report yet, you can head on over to advantageperformance.com slash trends. That's advantageperformance.com slash trends. You can download my report of the top five trends impacting talent development in 2019, as well as sign up for our newsletter to get updates on everything that is going on. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible, and we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.